praying for your pastor. It's a very important time that we face right now. I don't, nothing to do with COVID. I'm not referring to COVID at all. I'm referring to the, uh, to the vision uh, and, the, and the mantle that has come. And uh, the days ahead are bright. <laughs> oh my God, the days ahead are bright. Praise the Lord. The Lord is so kind to us. Why would he choose us, Taylor? There's so many other more qualified people. But he loves us and he's kind to us. Don't you know that, that uh, you know, uh, that there's many, many mistakes that we've made, but he's so kind to you. He's overlooked your faults. He's overlooked my faults. And he still loves us. And he's still encouraging us. And he's got a good plan for our future. Amen. And the days ahead are bright. And because of uh, what has been happening, which, of course, I can't share everything until you come. I can't share everything even when you come. Some stuff has to wait until the right time it is to preach it. But much can be shared when we get back together in person, which hopefully will be in the next week or two. But because of what he's been sharing with me, things he's been dealing in my heart uh, during that fast and since the fast and dealing with my wife, we, we really, and I don't mean this in a... In a, in a in a prideful way, I don't mean this in a weird way, but we really have come up to another level spiritually. Maybe you can't tell, I don't know. Maybe you can't tell with the preaching, and that's okay if you can't. But in our prayer lives and in our spiritual growth in general, Pastor Jenny and I, we really have that fast was like stepping up to another level for us. And, and we're maintaining that level. It takes more effort to maintain a level at a higher standard. At a, at, there's more expected of us, uh, and there's more God wants us to do, and a certain way he wants us to live, and certain things that he, we can't watch that we used to watch before, nothing overtly sinful, but there's just certain things that just have the spirit of the world on it that God won't let me watch anymore. And uh, I, I don't know how long it's been since I've been able to rent a movie uh, at home, and not because I'm trying to be holier than thou or anything, but it's just I'm at a certain place where a lot, of, uh, a lot more grieves the Holy Spirit than I thought grieved him, and a lot more he won't put up with for what's coming. You can get away with a lot when you're in a lower, shallow, uh, you know, ankle deep with God. But as you start to get into the shin deep and the knee deep and the thigh deep and the waist deep, uh, as you start to get into waters to swim and he expects more from you. And so maybe you all can't really tell because you're not, you're not here, you, you know, you're watching, but it's not quite the same as being here and, and having the place filled with people. But we're getting back to those days soon enough. But I just want to say that because there's much that has happened, and maybe you can't tell, I don't know, maybe you can, but you'll, you'll be able to tell over time as I'm able to preach some things out to you that I'm holding in reserve for you to come back in person. You, you'll, you'll start to see, and uh, I believe that time will prove I'm right, that, that Pastor Jenny and I have come to another level, a new place in the spirit. And there's a new and effectual door, 1 Corinthians 16, 9, opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. And we have noticed a distinct and... and, and uh, um, disturbing um, increase of, uh, I don't know how to explain it to you. Uh, there's certain things I probably shouldn't say over the air, but uh, maybe if you were here in person, we could turn the live stream off. I could share more, but there's just been uh, an increase. I don't mean this as a pity party because I, I don't need anybody, anybody's pity. I'm just simply saying when you come through a new door, the Bible says there's many adversaries. When you go to a new level, the little adage says there's a new devil. And that we have noticed that distinctly since that mantle came, there's been a, 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 an increased attack, not just through people. You expect it kind of through people, and, and, and that has also increased, but, but the Lord is good, and we're getting through those things uh, because our eyes stay on Jesus, but it's more than through people. I don't know how to explain it to you. It's like there's, there's like a there's like something in that atmosphere. It's like a wall. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like a wall of demons. And it's like they seem to stand to attention when that, when that higher anointing came on this ministry. And it's like there's a force. There's like a pressure. And, 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 my, and sometimes, you know, I'll be honest with you, I can't break through that. I, I, I know my authority. And it's not, it's, a, it's not as cut and dry as people may think. It's not just a matter of saying, well, I bind you and I forbid you. And, and you know, that, that of course works. But I'm just saying sometimes there's things in the realm of the spirit that you need to be at a certain, you, God needs to take you to a place in the spirit. You need to position yourself through consecration to get to a place in the spirit where you can deal effectively 
yes, with binding and loosing and with the name of Jesus. That doesn't change, but where you say it from matters. Remember, Pastor Nancy was oppressed for that 18 months, and she had done everything she knew, and nothing worked. But the Bible does work, but it wasn't working for her. And then the Lord told her the praise cure, and she spent a week. There's two different occasions. One was not a whole week. One was very short. The other one was a week. But uh, she spent a whole week just praising, praising, no anointing, no feeling, just saying praise the Lord. And then the Lord said to her when she was in a little group uh, with some folks in a home, and he said, now rebuke it. And, and she said in her mind, but Lord, I've been rebuking it for 18 months. It hasn't budged. And he said, but not from this place. This is very important. There's a place you can get to in the spirit where demons and darkness will listen to you, where they wouldn't listen. So the, so the, 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 the mechanics and the logistics are the same. You're still using the name. You're still binding and loosing. You're still applying the blood. You're still doing those things. You still know who you are in Christ. But that stuff sometimes doesn't work the same because you're not at a certain place in God because you haven't paid the price in prayer and in consecrated living. But when you do that, it, it's kind of hard to explain it. It's, it's almost like an intangible. It, it's not, you can simply say, bind the devil, say in the name of Jesus. That's easy to understand. What I'm saying is a little bit harder unless you've experienced it. I can't quite explain it. I can't quite put your finger on it. I'm just saying there's places in the spirit that the devil will listen to you uh, but you have to get there through time with God. You have to get there through consecration and increased prayer. And when you get to those, that's, what, that's why the Lord said to her, not from this place you haven't rebuked it. So she dismissed herself and she went to that private, I think it was a bathroom, and she didn't raise her voice because remember, now, do, you know, Dr. Sumrall and Wiggles were taught us, be rough with the devil. Don't, don't be spineless. He, he responds to authority, but authority is not always the volume of voice. Wigglesworth did say, you got to yell at the devil. <laughs> you got to yell at the devil. You know, he was just always yelling at stuff. David Hogan's always yelling. You know, Dr. Dufresne's always yelling. I mean, but, but you don't always have to yell. The point is authority can be whispered. It doesn't have, it's not about the volume of voice although many times the volume of voice, if you ever listen to Lester Sumrall, increases greatly when you get aggressive with, with the devil and with darkness and with sickness and with poverty and with lack and with those thoughts that are trying to harass you. So that, that's good, but I'm saying it's not the screaming volume that's going to get the job done. It's the authority that you know you have and that you've got to a place in the spirit to use that authority so the authority is more usable to you. Does that make sense? You have authority, but it's got to become more usable positionally we've got it but experientially it's got to we've got to get to a place with God where the devil actually listens to us and a lot of people are blindly saying it why doesn't it work pastor Craig well you just don't know enough Remember that Pastor Taylor with Norval Hayes? And, and, and he said, well, you know, my daughter or whoever it was died of cancer. And, uh, you know, I, didn't, I, I believed and I did everything. I believed that everything, you know, this is God's issue. And he said, no, Pastor, you just don't know enough yet. Right. What a great answer. Yeah. You, it's, not, it's never God's issue. <laughs> it, it's, we just, it's not that God's not trying to do it. It's that we don't know enough yet. Pastor Nancy didn't know enough yet after 18 months of doing everything she knew to do. But when she got by consecrated living praise and prayer into that place, then she whispered in the bathroom, I rebuke you. And that thing that had been harassing and pounding her for 18 months vanished just like a bird go, just flying out the window. And she was free. What I'm trying to say very simply is this. Uh, there has been an increase because of the new door. We're not surprised, are we, Taylor? We were not surprised. I don't, I don't want the devil to show up. Believe me, I'd prefer he didn't. Uh, but there are some days where I can feel that thing in the atmosphere. It's just, it's just there and it's dark. And it hates us. And it hates the mantle. It hates the plan of God. It's trying to discourage me. It's trying to get me to quit. It's trying to get me in the flesh. It's trying, it's trying to get me to just say, ah, forget this whole thing. I can't do it. But, but by stepping up the prayer life and stepping up the consecration life and watching what I watch and watching what I say and watching how I treat people and guarding my love walk all the more and doing all the different things, and there's many of them, we're, 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 st we're, we're getting to another place in the spirit. My my wife and I and our staff and I believe our congregation as a whole for those of you that are interested and hungry where we, we speak to the devil from that place we speak to the darkness from that place it obeys and sometimes I'll be honest with you I, I can't seem to get to that place and that pressure is there all day and that pressure that darkness that there's a sense of foreboding there's a sense of uh, I don't know what it is it's hard to explain in English and, and I and I just keep doing what I know to do just like Pastor Nancy did you know faith just keeps going 
Whether it feels like it's working or not, faith just keeps going. There is no other option. You just got to keep going. But I tell you, some days I can't move that thing. It's just too aggressive. It's too thick. It feels like it's just too, the wall is too thick for me to break through. But then I get a good night's sleep and I wake up and many times the Lord ministers to me as I'm sleeping and he strengthens and encourages. And I get up that next morning and I get right back to it. And, and that my prayer takes me to a little bit of a deeper place. And then I speak to it from that place and I'm able to get through, I'm able to break through. And then usually there's two or three days where it's just nothing. It just feels like, it just feels like there's nothing. The atmosphere is just, there's nothing. I just feel light and free as a bird. And it's just wonderful. Well, that's how I used to feel all the time before the mantle came. And, and, and I've got to be honest with you, sometimes I thought, Lord, my God, what does this, what does this mantle bring with it? There's more devils than ever before that have come with, they don't come with the mantle, they come because of the mantle. Because with the new door, there's many more adversaries because you're at another place in the spirit and they want to stop you. So I say all that to say this, it's not a pity party, I'm fine, or I'm not quitting or nothing. I'm just saying that I'm telling you that praying for me in this season, it is always appropriate to preach on praying for the pastor. But praying for in this season is probably more applicable than any other season that I've ever preached it. Because I can sense, Taylor, when people are praying. Yes. I could sense during the fast, there was a lot of prayer. I could feel it. And I could feel it's just like, uh, like, like something, under, like, like wings underneath me. There was just like a strength there. And then as soon as that fast ended, it just went like this. And I guess that's normal, but it shouldn't happen. But people know, well, it's over. He's fine. Now, he didn't die. We thought he might die. He didn't die. Some of you were praying, I would, but praise God. No, I'm kidding. You died to the flesh. You're just praying to let him die to the flesh. He's, he made it. You know, he made it. You know, he, he, he didn't die. He didn't get it, go into hospital, almost, but not, not quite. We made it. I don't need to pray for him anymore. And I could feel it, Taylor. I got so used to that undergirding of strength of prayer. I got so used to riding that. And then in December, it just fell off the cliff. And I thought, oh my God. And that's why I started talking uh, whenever it was December, January, when I started saying, you, you, please don't stop. Please don't stop praying. I know the urgency of the fast is gone, but uh, I haven't got to it because you won't show up because of the devil. Praise God. The devil COVID. Uh, keep, but anyway, you're going to show up soon enough. But when you do, you, I want to share some things. One of the things he said to me in the fast, which I'll just say now, is he said, this is a never ending fast. I said, oh God, no. What do you mean? Don't tell me that. I thought he meant go longer than 40. That's not what he was talking about. He said, this is a never ending fast. He said, now fasting, now that you've broken that thing, that fear of fasting. A lot of people are afraid to fast. Because food is really their God in some ways. And, and they just don't think they can handle it. He said, but you, you, you broke that. You broke the hold of that food over your mind. And you broke the fear that you had about not eating. And he said, you've broken that. And he said, hey, you said, the fasting now is to become a lifestyle for you. And I'll say more when you come. But he, basically, he talked to me about what he expects in this year, 2021, and in the next year and in years to come. He told me what kind of fasting he required of me. He might require something different of you, but all of us should get into a lifestyle of this. Your, life, your, your specifics might be different to mine, but all of us should have a lifestyle of fasting because he said to me, he said, and it was the Wednesday before it ended. So when did it end? It ended 11, 10 nights. That would have been December the 9th. Wednesday night, December the 9th. Pastor Jenny was here preaching. And on that Wednesday night, he spoke to me just after she finished preaching. I, was, I, was, uh, I went to a hotel for a week because I needed to get away from the kids. That last week, I needed complete privacy and focus on what I was doing. And I was just kneeling down, praying in that hotel room. And he said to me, he said, this, this fast is called the never-ending fast. It is now a fasted lifestyle that I require of you. It, this, this was, this, you think it was the, the, the be-all and end-all, that this was the big kahuna, so to speak. But this was just the launch pad. This just got you in to that lifestyle to break the hold of that food over your mind and to break the fear uh, that, that many people are afraid to fast. They think they can't do it, but you can with God's help. And fasting, now, now that, 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 that whole thing, Taylor, took us into another place in the spirit, that increased anointing came, then there's, a, then there's an increased attack. So while people, now I didn't tell people this, and it's not their fault because maybe I should have said it. I didn't even really know it. But what people really should have been doing is not just praying during the fast. That's a good, that's good, thank God. Well, they should have been praying as soon as the fast ended. Oh, yeah. When the fast ended is when the prayer really should have started, but when the fast ended is when the prayer ended. Because get the fast culminated in the mantle coming, and the mantle is that new door. Right. So did you notice it didn't say there are many adversaries before you get into the door? 
It said there's many adversaries when you go through the door. There's an effectual door opened. Didn't you say there's an effectual door and there's many adversaries? There's an effectual door opened unto me. In other words, I've gone into a new level with God. And so in going into that new level, there were many adversaries that showed up. So really the praying for me it is great during the fast. Thank you. I'm not saying not thank you. I needed it. Thank you. But where it's really needed is as soon as you enter into that new door. As soon as that fast concluded and that mantle came and now we're in another place, that's when the adversaries show up. Not as much during the fast, but after the fast is when the adversaries show up. And that's typically when people stop. So I said, please, would you keep praying? Please, would you, as, as a lifestyle, it might not be as intense because that 40 days was a chunk of time. Now we're talking about an endless conveyor belt. So I understand the motivation may not quite be there because you don't have a start and an end date like you did on 40 days. But I'm asking you to please, more than ever, it's time to pray, not just for me, but for the congregation, but especially for me and Pastor Jenny, because we've entered into something new. There is an increased attack and an assignment, and not as much through people as I thought it would be. I thought the devil would use people more, and he, he tries. But that's, I thought it would happen through people more, but it's actually more atmospheric than I thought it would be. There's just that, there's just that, that pressure, that, that demonic pressure in the atmosphere and on my mind. And, and many days I can break through that, and then it's gone for a, for a period of time, and then it comes back. But if people would pray more, it would help me break through faster. That's what I'm trying to get over to you. If people would pray, and you say, well, how do I pray? Well, I'm giving you some scripture, but mainly pray in the Holy Ghost and use your authority on my behalf. Say, Father, the, 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 the adversaries that are, that are because of this new door that has been opened to our church, that has been opened to me because I'm a part of this church, that has been opened to Pastor Craig, the adversaries that are assigned to that new door, I bind you in Jesus' name. That atmospheric pressure, I break your power in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I don't really know what to pray for Pastor Craig, but I I'm just going to pray for him, Pastor Jenny, Quinn, Cole, Caleb, and Luke. You can leave the dog out. I got him covered. But Lord, I pray for the six of them in the Holy Ghost. You know which of those kids need it most. So Lord, I don't even know who needs it most, but I pray for them in the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I pray for Pastor Craig and Jenny in the Holy Ghost. If you would do that, God will use your praying for me to help me and to help, get, if I could say it this way, I don't know if I'm saying it the right way, but your prayers can actually help me get, to, get into that place in the spirit faster. That's why when we have corporate prayer, Taylor, I can get in faster than when I pray by myself. When there's corporate prayer and everybody's praying, I can step into the spirit much quicker. And there's a greater measure of anointing and power. Why? Because you're all bringing your spiritual supply. And God honors that sacrifice that you're making. And it allows me and you, but as the leader, it allows me to step into that, that, that realm of the spirit and accomplish things faster and quicker because of your supply of the spirit. So even though you're not in the same room, if you pray, you can actually help me in pushing back. And, and I said, Lord, I don't, don't, please don't tell me that this is going to be like this forever. Lord, I, 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 I don't, don't tell me this is going to be like this forever. This, this darkness is not going to be like this forever, is it? That's just because I'm at the open door, right? I've just gone through it. Once I get past the door and into some rooms, that, that thing dissipates, right? I'm not going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life, am I? Because sometimes it's pretty tough and he didn't answer me. That's, that's scary when he doesn't answer you because I don't know what, why he didn't answer me on that. I don't know how long, but it doesn't, you know what? We're not devil conscious. I'm just saying we're not, I'm not trying to be enemy conscious. What I'm trying to simply say is that since this new season has begun, we are at a, a greater place in the spirit in, in all the positive things, the, the power of God, the anointing, the vision, the clarity, what's coming in the future, him talking about the glory. All of that is positive, but there's also an increased, the devil is taking notice more than he did before, and he's trying to put pressure, and he's trying to stop. So the more you pray, the more you help me get into that place where I speak to it from that place, and it listens. Your praying can help me get to that place. Now, there's a certain thing, Taylor, where no amount of praying, I have to do certain things myself. If I would just decide to sit there and not do anything and be lazy, you know, your praying will help to a measure, but I can't just rely on your prayers and not do anything myself. I've got to do my part, and I am, I promise you, and so is my wife, more than we've ever done before. But there is a place, Taylor, where their prayers can do things for me that I can't get to on my own, that I need the help of the people in order to get there. And, and, and that's why I'm asking you to please 
please pray more. Uh, and please pray in tongues for us more. And I don't say that out of fear. And I don't say that out of a whining attitude. And I don't say that out of a demon conscious attitude. And I don't say that out of a, oh, please help me, won't you help me? I don't say that out of a out of breath attitude. Do you understand? I'm just simply stating a principle. The more you pray, the more we're able to turn things right. when that pressure comes. And it's not there all the time, but it is there, a lot. it is there more than it ever has been before. And that's just the enemy trying to get us discouraged. Praise God. Yeah. But he's not going to because we have, an, we, have, we have an assignment that we're going to accomplish. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So let me read with you, if you wouldn't mind, because I want to talk to you a little bit tonight. i just saying that as an, as, you know, it's a long intro, but I'll, I'll shorten my message because of the long intro, so don't worry. But I just want you to know that your prayers really matter. They really matter to me in Passage Jenny. We, I, I may not know that you individually are praying, unless the Lord shows me, which he usually doesn't. But I can sense when people are praying. And there's a strength that comes into us. There's a help. It helps us get to that place. We still have to do our part, but it helps us. There's like an aid and a supply to help us get to that place, the Spirit, so that we can push back that darkness. And I do believe that it's not going to be as intense spiritual warfare, so to speak, as it has in the last few months. I don't believe it's going to be like that forever. But it seems that at the beginning of every stage, there's, there's a, a, heavy, a heavy hit. You know, Dad Hagen said to pastoring for 12 years and then being on the road, he said the first six months, there was more demonic assault on his mind in the first six months than all the 12 years put together. But he didn't say it was like that forever. He just said the first six months and then it started to lessen because I think those enemies, they have very strategic, they're smarter than we give them credit for. They, they're very strategic and they know if we can just do a frontal overwhelming, then maybe he'll stumble or maybe he'll fall into sin or maybe he'll see so discouraged he'll quit or maybe he'll do some, maybe we can interrupt this thing in a more permanent way. And if they can't do it in a permanent way, then a semi-permanent way. So they really, just like when people get married, they've got to be real careful because, yes, it's honeymoon and all that fancy kissy-kissy, huggy-huggy stuff, but, but there's also more, you know, couples tell me all the time, Pastor, it's like there was attacks on my mind, attacks, thoughts against my spouse. Didn't happen when we were in our, in our fiancé stage, engagement. But as soon as we got married, why? Because you've come into a new room. And now there's, a, there's an attack, but it doesn't last forever. It starts to lift. He's trying to get that person to quit or to be unfaithful. So I don't believe it's going to last forever, but these few, this early stage of this new season that we're in is a very important time. And if you would help me, if you would pray for me and poor Pastor Jenny and for our children, because believe you me, uh, without giving too much information, can I say this to you? When the devil attacks... You know, when a, when a lion attacks, if you ever watch the, 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 the animal things, uh, he don't go for the biggest. He don't go for the strongest. He goes for the little ones. Did you notice that? They like small zebras. They like small wildebeests uh, because they can't run as fast and, uh, and they, they can't fight back as much. And, and so they'll go for sick or lame, but they'll also go for small ones. They like that because they know that they don't have the wits about them. They don't know what the predator is going to do. So, you know, unless the mama or the daddy protected, they're easy targets. And so the devil, like a lion, goes for the weak link. He'll try to hit all the links, but he'll aim for weak links. Do you understand? And so in our family, our children are more spiritually a weak link than the, we, me and Jenny are. And our teenage sons are a weaker link spiritually than the younger ones because the younger ones don't really know anything because they're babies. But the older ones now are in school and they're, and they're around uh, a lot of unsaved people and, 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 and there's transgender people in their classroom. And Quinn was witnessing to a boy that he was a boy and then he found out then she was a girl and then he didn't know how to talk to her or him. He doesn't even know what to call her or him or it or whatever. He doesn't even know because now he can get in trouble if he doesn't say it the right way. The teachers get mad at him and then they're smoking dope during recess and they're watching and they're, and they're passing around a triple X rated stuff and pornography. I mean, this is in grade 10. I mean, it is a cesspool of rebellion and of, of witchcraft. It's just, a, it's just an absolute, it's a cesspool. 
and, and so we have to, like you all parents, you know what I'm talking about. So we have to work with our teenagers more than our little children because they're exposed more than little children. Little children in JK, SK, grade one, two, three, they're not exposed the same way the teenagers are. But now these teenagers, so, so you understand, and then the teenagers, of course, teenagers think they know everything. I, I didn't know that teenagers are smarter than us. Wow. Teenagers are convinced that they know more than us. They're convinced that their generation is the smartest generation because they've got the greatest internet capabilities. Well, that has got nothing to do with it. The internet has got nothing to do with it. But, uh, but it's astonishing to me how teenagers really are the, the, the smartest people on the planet, or so they think. And so they tell me. They, they, they tell me, praise God, they tell me. And all the people I mocked years ago and, you know, hearing what their teenager said, I said, that never happened to me. Well, I guess I was wrong. But what I'm saying is that I got good boys. My teenage boys are good boys. They love Jesus. But what I'm saying is that because they are exposed to more filth because of the world system and they're getting of age where they're thinking independently because that's the whole point. That's what pre-beauty is. It's not just body changes. It's mental change. It's you starting to think like an adult, starting to show your independence. That's where a lot of the rebellion comes from is they're just trying to be men or they're trying to be women if they're women, right? Young girls, young, young men that are teenagers, they're trying to exert independence. So we have to curtail and train so that that independence doesn't turn into rebellion because independence is fine, but rebellion is not fine. And we got to, so what I'm saying is out of our family, because our, our, our teenage boys, uh, the, the devil is trying, you will try to have inroads in their life more than even the smaller children because they're exposed to more. They see more filth. They have more independent thought processes. So the devil can work on them to doubt certain things. And well, is that really true? And is the Bible really true? Now, they're, my kids aren't saying that. But what I'm saying is with teenagers, especially in ministry, you understand that the devil is, is, is looking for the weak links in my family. And I don't want to call my teenage sons weak links because they're not weak links. They're good, strong young men and they love Jesus. But if there's going to be somebody that he is going to try to get inroads into, it probably will be the ones that don't know the word quite the same. Yes. Do you understand? And so that is why we have to pray for our teenagers, my teenagers, your teenagers, the youth group as all well, more because the pressures that they are under yeah. is far greater than the pressures I was under in grade 10. What they're exposed to is far more than what most of us were exposed to. Any of us as adults were exposed to at their age. So we have to pray for them more. In general, I'm talking with the youth group in general. Pray for the youth group in general more than you are because those teenagers are at critical decision-making times in their life. And in fact, if they don't get some things right, teenagers in general, before they get to university, university will sweep them away. Because the pressure and the demonic onslaught, uh, onslaught in the university, well, they won't be able to stand against it if they haven't established some things in youth group. Forget about young adults. They don't even get to the young adult group if they don't pass the youth group. I'm talking about spiritually. Any age can come to young adult, Taylor, but in the youth group, something has to get in them. It has to be real. It's not just mommy and daddy's religion. It's my personal belief. I love Jesus. I stand for Jesus. Because when they hit university, if they're not sure of what they believe, they will be, so the current is so strong of darkness, it will take them. So teenagers in general need more prayer. And because my teenagers are the pastor, I'm the, I'm the front runner, I'm the one with the big bullseye on my chest and on my back for the devil and his cohorts. And so don't you think that he's gonna try to target my teenagers more than anybody else? Because he's trying to get me distracted and he's trying to hurt them and cause me to stumble because of them. Am I saying this right, brother? Because I'm not trying to whine. My heart is not trying to whine. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a whining attitude in my heart tonight. I just have an honest hearted, uh, I'm imploring you because of the new season. And I, I, I repented to the Lord today. I said, Father, I should have talked to them more before the fast about this. I should have talked to them more after the fast about, I shouldn't have waited until this thing is there. And, 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 and it feels like I, uh, it takes me days sometime in praying and pushing and my wife and praying in order to break through and then it lifts for a number of days and then that pressure and that darkness comes back. I said, Lord, I should have been more aware. I should have realized that this was going to happen and I should have prepped the congregation, prayed during the fast, but please, whatever you do, make sure you pray after the fast because that's when the adversaries are at the open door. They're open. They're there when it opens. They're not there before it opens. They're there when it opens. In other words, they're there when the mantle comes. Yeah. 
And so we're facing a little bit more pressure than we're used to. But that's okay because we're still going to win and everything is going to be fine and our sons are going to follow the plan of God for their life and everything is going to come to pass. It really is. I'm not afraid. I'm not, I'm not casting off restraint. I'm just telling you that your prayers for Pastor Jenny and I are far more valuable than you probably even realize yourself. In fact, if you knew how valuable your prayers were, especially praying in tongues for us, you'd probably do it a lot more than you do. But I don't think people really realize because they don't feel anything. They don't feel the anointing. They don't think that I know, and maybe I don't know their individual name. But listen, you pray for Pastor Jenny and I because you do it for Jesus. You do it because you love him and because you love his church and because you love the pastors that stand in the office in that church. But you're doing it for Jesus because I may let you down. I may do things or say things that you don't appreciate from time to time, but Jesus never lets us down. And so if we're coming to church for Jesus and for his word, we can overlook a lot of things. If we're coming for Jesus, when somebody in the hallway offends us, we can overlook that because we weren't really coming for them anyway. We love them and his love is in us for them, but we came for him. We came for the master. We're in this Christianity for him. We're doing this for him. We're not doing this for Pastor Craig. If you're doing it for me, you're going to backside real quick because you're going to realize pretty quick that I'm not worth it and that I fail as well as you do because I'm a human, but I'm in this for Jesus. You're in this for Jesus. You're praying for me for Jesus. Now have a look here with me because it says this exactly what I'm saying. And I, I said it on the Daily Connection, but I know not all of you watch the Daily Connection. So don't sit there religiously and make it seem like, oh, pastor, I watch it. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Only God knows. But praise God, <laughs> right, Taylor? Only God knows. Amen. Uh, but that's okay. We, we love everybody. Romans chapter 15. But in case you don't, haven't listened, I need to tell you what this says in verse 30 of Romans 15. Now I beseech you, brethren, beseech. I plead with you. I implore with you. Did you see that's what I'm doing tonight? It's like I'm imploring you can you see I'm not whining but I am imploring there's a difference I am imploring you that word beseech in the Greek means to call near I'm calling you near to me it means to invoke somebody it means to invite somebody and and entreat them it means to implore somebody almost beg but not in a negative sense it's an intense request I beseech you, I implore you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. There it is. <laughs> for the Lord's sake. He didn't say for my sake. For the, for the Lord Jesus Christ, do it for Jesus. Pray for me because you love Jesus. Because he's worthy of you taking the time so that this church does what it's supposed to do. I beseech you, I implore you, brethren, this is to the church. This is the promise of life. For the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, for his sake, you're doing it for him. And for the love of the spirit. Now in the Amplified, it says, and for the love the spirit has put in your heart for me. Because the Holy Spirit has put a love in your heart or you wouldn't put up with me. Oh, believe me, I know it. God must have put a whole heap of love in Jenny's heart for me. I mean, it must be a lot because she still puts up with me after this, our 20th year. And, and, and together 24, but we didn't know how to use our faith to get married. So we had to burn. You know what burning means? It says marry or burn. Well, for four years, we burned, praise God. Lots of cold showers, praise God. Until I could figure out how to believe God for money, and then we got married and didn't have to burn anymore, praise God. Now we have a different kind of hot burning love, but it's not the burning like before. Thank you, Taylor. Taylor's saying, Pastor, move right along, please. Move on right along, and I will move on right along. But God put a whole lot of love in her heart for me, and he put a whole lot of love in my heart for her, and that's how I have covenant with her, and that's why I die for her. And that's why she'd give her life for me if she had to. Praise God. Now she won't kiss the ring, but she says she'll give her life for me. I'm not really sure I believe it. Let's test it when we all come back and we'll see if she really means it. But praise God. The point is he's put a whole lot of love in my heart for her and for you. He's put love in my heart for you. He's put a love in my heart for you. I love you after the spirit. I don't love you because of the color of your skin or because how much money you make or give. I don't love you for any of the educational reasons or any. I don't even really love you just because you're faithful. I mean, I appreciate your faithfulness, but I love you because God put a love in me for you. But you know that God put a love in you for me? He put a divine love in me for Pastor Nancy. And there's a, a, a jealousy that I have. I don't even really want too many people liking her too much. 
because I don't want them to steal her affection. I want all her affection on me. You know, you know what I'm saying? When you really love somebody, you just, you, you feel almost like a jealousy for them, but in a good way, not in a bad way. Now, of course, you know, you know, I'm kidding when I say that, you know, pastor has lots of people around her that love her. And if you really love somebody, you want more people around them to uphold them and love them. But what I'm saying is, you know, you kind of feel like a personal thing with somebody when you really love them and you're in covenant with them. It's like, it's like they're yours. It's like, she's my mom. She's, she's not your mom. Uh, I say to Pastor Keys, she's not your mom. Don't call her mom. She's my mom. But she's my, okay, fine. She can be your mom too. But Pastor Jay, she ain't your mom. She, no, she can't be too many people's moms. No, no she's my mom. Yeah. Do you understand? There's a, there's a, she's everybody's mom that is submitted to her. And I'm everybody's pastor that's submitted to me. But there, there is a, there's a sense of, he's my pastor. Yeah. I love him. See, that's supernatural. It's not because I'm so good looking and it's not because I've got such a sparkling personality, even though Taylor says I do. Believe me, it's not for that reason. It's God put a love in your heart by the Holy Ghost for me. And Paul is saying, I beseech and implore you, do it for the, Jesus, do it for him. Pray for me because you love him. And because of the love the Spirit put in you for me, please pray, strive, strive together, strive together, struggle. That's the Greek word to struggle to take a partner and struggle. Struggle with me. Strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. So Paul was saying, with me, that means Paul had to be praying. Paul wasn't just saying, I'm going to sit back and do whatever I want to do and you pray. That's ridiculous. Paul was striving and struggling in prayer. So he could, he could birth the kingdom of God and these churches and the attacks and the attacks on his life and the darkness and the adversaries. And he was striving in prayer. And he's saying, I'm pleading with you because of Jesus. Do it for Jesus. And because the spirit put a love in your heart for me, strive together with me because I'm striving. Now strive with me in your prayers to God for me. You see, this is, this is important. I won't say the name, but one of the biggest churches. Well, it's, it's public, right, Taylor? It's public. But the Hillsong Church in, in New York, it's public. Yeah. But you see, that, see that, that, if Dad Dufresne were here, I'd know exactly what he'd say. I know exactly what he'd say because he saw this happen over and over and over again. And he'd shake his head. And he'd say, he'd shake his head and he'd go, you know, the bunch of carnal buckets. They get, they get into the seeker sensitive and they're a bunch of carnal buckets because that church, now they don't take a stand on homosexuality. Now they don't take a stand upon this. The Bible's not clear about that, which it is clear. The Bible's not clear about this, which it is clear. The Bible's not clear about that. And now they have drink, the drinking parties with their pastors. The pastors all have drinking parties. And this is public knowledge. This is not me sharing something that's not, this is public knowledge. And so what happens when you sow, do you remember what the Bible says? When you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. When you sow to the Spirit, you reap life and peace. Now, when you're going to go having drinking parties with the pastors, and you're going to say that now there's no pillar of truth, there's no standard about sexuality, and about this and about that, it's not surprising to me that the pastor has now fallen into gross sin, not just cheating on his wife, but way beyond that. Gross, and I won't talk about it on line, but I'm talking gross sin. And uh, obviously, you know, the pastor in Australia, the main guy had to fire him. He's like a son to him, had to fire him because you can't allow that to happen. But you see, when you get away from the word and the spirit and you get into some lesser stuff, I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm talking about staying with the word. Staying with the word. You can be Baptist and stay with the word to the measure of revelation you have in the word. You can be Pentecostal and stay with the word to the measure of revelation you have in the word. You can be word and spirit and still fall. Right? We've seen the ministers over the years. Jimmy Swaggart and others and God bless them. They, they're, they're, everyone's trying their best to please God. But I'm telling you, you get away from the word. Remember Jesus told Pastor Nancy, no, no, it wasn't the sin that overtook that minister. It said they'd stop starting their day with me and keeping their heart turned toward me all day long. So it's not that the sin has so much power over us. The Bible says sin shall not even have dominion over you. It's that they got away from that place of fellowship with God, that love for God. And, and, and then they started getting their attention on other things that weren't, and then, and then they sowing. See, Taylor, it didn't happen at first. That's right. Oh, it's been many years that they've been sowing to the flesh. Many years, many years. Many. But all of a sudden, you see, that catch up with you. That catch up with you. It always, you always will reap a harvest on what you're sowing. You may not think, you think you're getting away with it. That pastor thought he was getting away with it. 
But now there's devastation, not only to him, his children, his wife, the entire church. And all those new believers are now shaken in their faith because new believers, unlike mature believers, probably put too much emphasis on the pastor's right living. We need to live right as an example. But young believers make up, put people on a pedestal, which they shouldn't. So instead of putting Jesus on the pedestal and receiving from the pastor, but knowing he's human and he can miss it, they make the pastor bigger than the pastor should be in their eyes. Then when the pastor does miss it, then they, they, they walk away from Jesus because they equate Jesus with the integrity of the pastor. And sometimes the pastor falls away. So then they fall away. That's sad. Uh, but the, the mature believers understand, yes, receive from the pastor, you know, honor the pastor, submit yourself to the pastor, the Bible. But, but they, a mature believer is not going to fall if the pastor falls because their eyes, while they receive from their man of God, their eyes are on him. That's right. And he'll never fall. Amen. He'll never fail. Amen. He was tempted in all areas and was found without sin. He never failed. But it's sad to me when I see, now oh, I say that to say this, uh, uh, Brother Taylor, if the people in the church had been trained to pray, and I guarantee you they weren't. I know they're not because I know their doctrine and I know what they stand for. And it's very loosey-goosey and it's very just feeling, feeling, motivation, leadership. Nothing wrong with leadership, nothing wrong with motivation, but we got to stick with the Word of God on some base subjects that are very important. And if people were praying for that pastor, instead of talking about him, instead of judging him, instead of the, if the, if the people really prayed, even though he was making mistakes, even though he was sowing to the flesh, it hadn't become public yet, God probably could have rescued him more easily, sent another minister that he trusted sure. to, to correct him. Yeah. That's why spiritual father is so important. It's so important because sometimes you don't even know you're getting off, but that spiritual father will come and say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? You can't do this. You know, Richard Roberts told me personally that, that whenever he would preach and he'd get a call from his dad, an aura would say, uh, come see me. He thought, oh God, that was code for you preach something wrong or you preach something that's not in the Bible. And so he'd go to see his dad, and his dad would say, now, now sit down here, because he's taking over the ministry. So that's his natural, but also his spiritual father. He'd say, now show me in the Bible where you got that from. Well, you know, and he can't show it. And he says, well, if you can't prove it in the Bible, just don't say it. You, you, you can't get away from, it's fine, it's, it's fine to say certain things, but we're talking about doctrine here. If you can't prove the doctrine, just don't proliferate it. Don't be the messenger of it. Don't, don't spout it if it's not here. And if you're taking something and you're twisting it a little bit, you're going to be very careful. But you see, a spiritual father will keep the preacher clean. Amen. Yes. And, and, and you can have a son overseer is not a spiritual father. Wow, an overseer of a, denom a denomination, an overseer of an ordaining body yes. does not necessarily mean that they're a spiritual father. Because yes, a spiritual father corrects, a spiritual father confronts, a spiritual father loves deep, deep covenant love, but doesn't love so much that will permit wrong, wrong behavior. So more praying would cause more rescue in the lives of pastors. I'm serious. More praying would cause more rescue. And now I am not, listen, the Bible says judge yourself. So I, I can't say I'd never do anything wrong, but I can promise you something. You're never going to come to church one Sunday and Reverend Greg stand up as the board member and say, I just want you all to know that we've asked Pastor Craig to take a six-month sabbatical to be restored because I caught him in bed with another woman. That's right. you, know why, you, know, you know why I can tell you that that won't happen? It could happen, but it won't happen not because I'm so great. But it won't happen because of one thing. I start my day with the Lord and I keep my heart turned toward him all day, and I stay with the Word, Amen. and I have a prayer life. So the Holy Ghost will be on me like a hawk on a titmouse. Do you understand? If, I'm even, if I even dare to have a breath, even a smell of wrong thought in an area, he's on me. And then because my wife prays, she knows what I'm going to do before I do it half the time, and she's on me. And because I've got a spiritual mother and two men that replace Dr. Dufresne, uh, it just take, if, they, if they pick up a lot of stuff in the spirit before anybody says anything, but if there's anything wrong, uh, they'll pick it up. Sure. 
And if they don't pick it up, Pastor, Pastor Jenny's on the phone. There's a whole lot of safety nets around me. Thank God for safety nets. The danger is when you get too close to the edge of the cliff and you start strutting. Oh, I'm not going to fall over. Dad Hagen said, you play on the creek bank for too long, you're going to slip into the water. So we don't want to see how close to the edge we can. We want to see how far, how safe we can be. And we have safety nets around me. We have spiritual people that are around me that keep me accountable and that keep me honest. Praise God. And I tell our accounting department all the time, I said, don't be a yes man. I tell Wayne Rutledge, who deals with the government on my behalf, and he looks at all of our money and every penny that we spend and exactly how much everybody is paid and what we're buying and how we're using money, because money can sink ministries and the wrong handling of it. Women and sexual stuff can sink ministries. Pride, false doctrine can sink ministries. You can't just have people around me for doctrine. We've got to have people around me with financial safety as well. And I tell those men, I tell Errol, I tell Rosita, I tell Wayne, don't ever be a yes man to me. Don't think, well, he's the pastor. He's got the anointing. He's got the mantle. So if he wants to do something, I better just say, okay, no, you better keep me legal. You better keep me safe. If I'm going to get it, you keep me right. I don't, I'd rather not do it than do it in an illegal way because it would bring a reproach on the name of Jesus. It would hurt my savior and it would ruin my reputation. And then people won't trust. Then it doesn't matter that I've got the mantle because nobody would respond. Nobody would trust me anyway. So do you understand? But the more people pray for the pastor, the more there is safety, those safety nets maintain are maintained. Do you understand? And the more God can get over to me if I've got a pride issue, if I've got a problem here. Can I give you this? I'm not even going into my notes. I wanted to read them something. Nothing is happening. It's a Chantel's fault again. You know, she just, she's too hungry. You know, it's not right. But, but I, I, I was in the staff meeting. I give, let me give you an example because of people's praying for me. I've been the staff meeting. We're talking about, should we do the daily connection when the lockdown ends or should we not? And I was trying to remember back, trying to find my note when the Lord said that to me in Holy Ghost meetings because he gave me the instruction. But while I'm looking, because I couldn't really remember at the moment if he had said, if he had specified, end it. I know he had said start it when you get home, but I couldn't remember if he had said end it. So I was trying to find that note and remember, which I couldn't remember, that's why I write things down so I don't have to remember them. And as I'm trying, then, then, then my wife said, you know, she said, she said Craig, listen, she said, the, the staff said, listen, I don't think, you know, we should do it. It will give people an appetite for, for more than what is necessary. It's not your job to do that every day. It's your job to preach on the main services. And that's what we've been doing for 12 years. Yeah. And to, to keep going, as much as people are enjoying it, hopefully some of them are, whatever, as much as they, it, it's, 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 a, it, it's, it's constant for me. It's, and, and, it, and it can turn, if it's of the spirit, it's light and easy. But if I get into the flesh on it, it will become hard and burdensome. And so they said, you know, do whatever you want. But I, we, we think when the services are back to normal, like we did, like we've always done, you know, you'd, I don't think you need to keep doing that, Pastor. And I said, well, I agree with you, but I just want to see if the Lord said anything specific. And then my wife said, my wife's trying to protect me. But then my wife said something to me. She said, and anyway, she put her hand on her. She said, anyway, she said, honey, listen, she said, I, I've looked at some of the numbers and it's pretty, it's pretty pathetic on, on some days. Now she said that to try to encourage me to, to not keep doing it. She's heart's right, right? But you see now, I, I felt like a, not from her, but the, just the knowledge of a lack of interest felt like a knife going into my heart. And, and, and I felt that deep, deep, deep pain. And in my heart, I immediately, when you feel that, I'm trying to teach you something. When you feel deep pain, no matter what the situation, no matter who it comes from, when you feel that, the worst thing you can do is get into your mind. Because the devil can work with your mind. He can put thoughts in your mind. Immediately go to your spirit. Immediately. The deeper the pain, the more you go to your spirit. And I immediately looked to my spirit. I immediately, even as she said it, I looked down to my spirit because I felt that, I felt that rejection. That's what it is. It's rejection. And I, and I hurt. That's why you don't go to your mind. Even though I look to my spirit, I can hear, I still have, I can hear my mind. And I, meet, I heard a thought come. Now, that's not Jesus because Jesus doesn't talk that way. Yes. And it's not me because I wouldn't talk that way. It's the devil. And I heard a thought come. See, that you've just wasted all, you've done about 50 of them. You just wasted your whole time. They don't even watch anyway. They're probably sitting there laughing at you. No. Now, that thought comes to me. 
They don't even listen anyway. You wasted all this time. You haven't helped a soul. And they're probably sitting there laughing at you. I heard those thought, that thought come to me. So in, I didn't say it out loud because I'm in a staff meeting, but I could have, but I just didn't. But in my mind, now I know I need to answer with my mouth, but in my mind I said, no, you don't, devil. No, you don't. So I know everything you've just said has not happened because you're a liar. So you said, I've just wasted my entire time. So I guess the truth of the matter is, I've just invested a tr precious thing and there has been no waste here. And they're not sitting there laughing. They're sitting there, whoever is listening is sitting there saying, thank God. And I said, you see, you gotta, I gotta, I'm with people, so I'm not going to start answering it out loud. I could dismiss myself privately because they'll think you're weird. Even, even staff, you know, you got to be normal. But in my mind, I'm answering that. And then when I got private, I answered it out of my mouth. I said, no, devil, no, no, all that you just said is a lie. But I said, I said now, Holy Spirit, I said, uh, okay, uh, that's a lie. I'm not listening to that. But I said, now, Lord, if that's true, and it's dismal attendance. And yet I'm putting effort into it. I'm, I'm preparing things. I'm taking the time to do it. Right. I, said, I said, Lord, if that's true, I said, I'm not even waiting for the lockdown to quit. I'm ending now. Why should I keep going if they don't even appreciate it? Now, I'm not listening to the devil, but I'm just talking to the Lord. In my mind, I'm talking to the Lord. And I'm telling you to see, I'm to look to my spirit. I heard the voice, but I answered it, and I'm looking to my spirit, and I'm telling the Lord how I feel. I'm actually supplicating. Yes, right. You get all religious like you have to be in some position and have a certain tone and voice. Supplicating is pouring out your heart to God, and sometimes it's not always that perfect. You, 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 sometimes you can actually sound a little bit whiny or whatever, hurt. Pouring your heart, your heart's not always perfect all the time. So when you pour out your heart, if there's something in your heart that's hurt, it's going to get poured out. Jesus is not offended by the hurts that you pour out to him. Just don't blame him because it's not his fault. And I, so I, I'm actually supplicating internally, sitting in the staff meeting, and I'm pouring my heart out to God. I pause because the staff are all talking, and Jenny had just said that. And so I just kind of, I, I'm not, I don't even know what they said because I wasn't listening to them because I'm having an internal dialogue with God. And I'm pouring my heart out. And I said, well, Lord, I'm just going to stop tomorrow. Why should I do this then? I, I, I know the devil's lying and I answer that thought. I know that's not true. But the fact is, if it's dismal and I'm putting an effort into it, what the heck am I doing? I'm pouring my heart out. And maybe some pain was coming out there. Maybe some senses of rejection was coming out there. Just get over it. We're human. Jesus already knows how you feel. You might as well not fake it. I poured my heart out to him, and, I, and he answered. Now, thank God, because he didn't need to, but he did. And I heard, I'm telling you, Taylor, I heard the authoritative voice of the Spirit. This is not the inward witness. This is not the sense of knowing, the bearing of witness. This is not the, the sense of bearing of witness with my Spirit, because there is a difference between your Spirit and the Spirit bearing witness, which we've talked about taught before. It wasn't just the bearing of witness. It wasn't the still small voice, which is my spirit talking to me. It wasn't the bearing of witness, which is the Holy Ghost giving me a knowing. It wasn't either. It was the authoritative voice of the spirit. I heard it loud and I heard it clear. I heard it as if somebody was standing beside me talking to me. It was that loud and it was direct and it was strong. It's the authoritative, Dad Hagen called it the authoritative voice of the spirit. And because I'm pouring my heart out, even in a few seconds, I'm pouring it out and I'm feeling my blood pressure go up because sometimes when you pour your heart out, you're, 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 you're hurting, you're, you're frustrated and your blood pressure goes up. And I'm pouring my heart out saying, you know, before I answer the staff and tell them, I'm, I'm, I forget it, I'm not doing it no more. I said, Lord, I'm talking to my spirit. Lord, is this okay? Because if it's not working, why waste my time and their time and everybody else's time? Let's just quit this stupid thing. If it's not working, I'm pouring my heart out and the authoritative voice of the Spirit came and I heard the Spirit of God speak to me. This is yesterday it happened. I heard him speak to me. Are you doing this for them or are you doing this because I asked you to? I'm talking, Taylor, as loud as that. Are, with this is the daily connection. Are you doing this for them, the people? Or are you doing this because I asked you to? And I paused for a second and I thought, oh my God, you see, it's so easy to get my focus off. See, now I'm basing if I do it on whether the people like it, yeah. whether the people are watching, whether the people are blessed. Yeah. And that's not the reason to do it. 
because Jesus said to me with the authoritative voice of the Spirit while Kenneth Copeland was preaching on the, on the Saturday morning, the second session in Holy Ghost meetings, I heard him say, when you get home, I want you to start a, a, a short teaching morning and evening and do it until the lockdown ends. Now, I found it after I heard the authoritative voice. I went back and I found that word and I said, ah, Lord, you said until the lockdown ends. So actually, it would be wrong for me to stop it before the lockdown ends, and it would be wrong for me to continue it after the lockdown ends, because you said to do it until the lockdown ends. And, and, but you see, see, Taylor, it's so easy to get motivations skewed, especially in ministry. Listen, in ministry of helps, my brothers and sisters, it's so easy to have your motivations skewed, even in just simple attendance. It's so easy to have your motivations get off. I did, and I'm the pastor, and I didn't even know it was happening. Because of the, the volume of effort, the volume of work, the mundanity, every day, every day, and live, too. So you understand, it don't matter how I feel. I've got to put a shirt on, because you don't want to see me without it. I've got to put my hair, and if I can't, I wear a hat. I've got to pull up my socks. I've got to make a decision. I've got to pray. I don't always feel like it. But I've got to do it because I said I'd do it. And you're be, even if it's one person, they're waiting at 10 o'clock. I don't know how I feel. Do you understand? Even, so in my giving of that, in, my, in the monotony, not that it's, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just constant. In that giving, Taylor, see, very easy. The motivation starts to skew. Yeah, yeah. Instead of doing it for him, I'm now doing it because, well, somebody said, because many people have said, we so appreciate it. Oh, well, that's good. Well, then it's worth it. It's worth it. That's wrong. That's wrong. Because people have said, many of them, thank, people have called the office, thank you, Pastor. I really, really appreciate it. And the staff tell me that, and I go, huh, it's worth it then. That's wrong. It would not matter if one person called. It would not matter if 50 people called, cussed on the phone, and said, because of the Daily Connection, I'm leaving this rotten church. Because I hate what he's talking about. It should not matter to me whether there's compliment or criticism. It should not be worth it to me because people like it and not worth it to me if they don't like it. Why? Because Jesus asked me to do it. Amen. And the only reason I'm doing it is for him. Yes, you benefit if you watch and if you don't, you don't. But that's your problem. That's not my problem. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for him. And I'm telling you, Taylor, the authoritative voice. And then a little bit later, I dismissed and I went into the bathroom because we had to talk and, and I found the note and I said, no, guys, we're ending it because he said, end it when it ends. So I'm ending it when it ends. Done. It's done. It's finished. Let's move on to the next point on the agenda. But I went in there. And I said, Holy Spirit, I said, thank you. I said, thank you for speaking to me. I said, thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for helping me. I said, Lord, I repent. I, I, my motives were getting off. I was doing this for the wrong reason. I was doing this because I thought it was worth it because people liked it. And then if they don't like it, it ceases to be worth it. But it's not about worth it or not worth it, liking or not liking. It matters only because you asked me to do it and I will do it with joy. With joy, I will do it because you asked me and that is the only reason I do it. That sets me free, Taylor. It's like a weight, gone. Just like a weight gone. And then I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, and that's why I'm bringing it up in this message. He said, son, people are praying for you. So that's one of the reasons I can speak to you more is because people are praying for you. Now, don't get me wrong, because I pray God will speak to me. But he, I heard in my heart, because people are praying for you more, it allows me to get information to you that otherwise maybe I couldn't or wouldn't because you maybe haven't done enough praying yourself, but because they're praying, I can get stuff over to you. So sometimes your prayers, it not only pushes back darkness, but your prayers helps me, allows God to get things to me, get revelation to me, get information to me faster because you're praying. I'm praying too, but your prayers can help get things over to me that I desperately need. Yes, now, I'm not saying that that occasion was directly because of the people's prayers. I don't know. He didn't specify. But he just said to me later, he said, because the people pray for you, I can get things over to you. Yeah. Remember, Dad Hagen said that a lot. He said, if you pray for me more, I can God will reveal more to me. Yeah. And of course, if he prays more, if I pray more, God will reveal more. But if people pray more, God will reveal more.
The more that there's praying for the pastor, the more revelation there is. See, if people had prayed for that pastor in New York more, he would have had more revelation that what he's doing is dangerous. Right? If you'd pray for me more, I'd have more revelation, not just on the vision and not just on the strategy of how to accomplish the vision, but on where maybe I'm getting off or where my motives are wrong, or where my heart has turned something sour, or how I should treat people, or how I should this or that. There's so many things. It's, it's, it's a tightrope to walk as a pastor. You've got people looking at you and so easily offended so many times, and you just, you're trying to be perfect, and you can't be perfect because you're human. But that's why you need to trust the Holy Spirit. I need to trust Him because He helps me every day make corrections, make adjustments. That's why the heart, I've been preaching on Sunday, that's why the heart matters. Because if I keep that humble heart, that teachable heart, Lord, teach me. Teach me, Lord. I, I know I'm probably going to mess it. Just, just teach me. Lord, like right there in the bathroom. Lord, thank you for speaking to me. I received that. Thank you for showing me that I was wrong. I was doing it. I started right, but I got off. You fixed it for me, Lord. See the humble heart. Lord, I receive it. But your praying for me helps me in that area. Praise God. Pastor Jenny has always been a great pastor, but since the fast and since she's been praying, and also I know people are praying for us, there's been such a compassion that has come in her for the congregation members. I, I sit there and I watch her weep over people. And I'm kind of looking at her sometimes and I'm thinking, how come I'm not weeping? Is there something wrong with me? How come I don't feel the depth of love for them that she does? But you see, I, I do. And I, and I do that too. But, but there's just been something new that's come into her. There's something new that's come into her uh, because she is really uh, the, 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 the front of the praying. Yes. I pray, but she's assigned yes. to that. And with that prayer assignment has come such a deep compassion for people in the congregation. I mean, people that have heard us, Taylor, people that have left the church in a bad way. And I'll see her weeping and interceding for them. And people that are in the church that are good to us as well as that are difficult. There's always difficult people. And just, uh, and where my soul is more involved of, <laughs> she's just, just a deep, deep compassion. But that's because people are praying for us. <laughs> and of course, she's praying more too. Hallelujah. Praying for your pastor. I had, I had very organized sermon for you. It was very good. I don't know if, I don't think this, well, anyway, praise God. Uh, this is good because it's the flow that it was tonight. But I had a very organized sermon for you, and I'll have to pick it up the next time because i got to quit. It's 9.09. But I, but, but I just want you to know, even though I didn't get all my points, I had a Wigglesworth quote to give you. I had John Lake. I had lots of good, very good backup, like a lawyer. She's teaching me how to be a lawyer. I'm, I have to present my case. I'm going to give all the stuff so that you, you leave and go, okay, fine, I agree. But, but that didn't happen tonight. But I just want you to know that your prayers for us it means more than you know and in this season with the darkness that's around we see what's happening in these other churches we see how pastors can fall so quickly and how it brings reproach to the church to the name of Jesus and it causes new Christians to stumble and many of them walk away from God I, I, I don't I don't I, I want to be right before God but the more you pray for me it helps me it helps God get things over to me it helps God correct me it helps God adjust my motives about certain things that was a small thing Taylor it's a small thing, but you know what applies to all of us? Yeah. Well, if I come to church and Pastor Craig says hi to me, uh -oh. it's worth it. Oh, 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 oh. So the motive's wrong. Yeah, yeah. I come to church because Jesus, my chief, asked me and told me, didn't I just ask me, forsake not the gathering together of yourselves as some people are in the habit of doing, but you do it all the more as you see the rapture approaching. Mm -hmm. He asked you to come. You do it for him, whether I see you, whether I tap you on the back, whether I preach a sermon you like or not, whether there's correction or not, whether you get the last cup of coffee or somebody snatched it before you got it. Do you understand? Whether as you're about to pull in the parking space, some guy whizzed in with a sports car. You know, well, it wasn't worth coming today because of all this stuff. No, it's worth coming because Jesus, see, why do you come to church? Well, but I just broke up with my friend. What's that got to do with anything? Well, I got no friends. What's that got to do with anything? Well, I don't feel like I, I, anybody loves me. What's that got to do with anything? I want people to love me and I want you to have friends. But even if for a moment of time you don't, you, didn't you shouldn't be coming just because of the friends. You shouldn't be coming because of the, the emotional, social connections, although we want them. But that's not the real reason. We come for Jesus. We're doing this for Jesus. We come for his word, to listen to his word, and because he's asked us to come. 
We serve the people. We serve. We vacuum. We do the, the, the snow outside. The live stream people are not doing it because it feels worth it all the time. They're doing it because they're doing it for Jesus. When you keep Jesus as the focal point of your prayer life, it's always worth it. When you keep Jesus as the focal point of your serving in the body of Christ, it's always worth it. When you keep Jesus as the focal point of your evangelism, even if people reject you and laugh at you and mock you and scorn you, it's worth it because he asked you to preach the gospel. If you keep Jesus as the central focal point for coming and listening to the sermon, even if you didn't like the sermon, it's worth it. Amen. If I keep Jesus as my central focus point for why I do what I do, yes. it's worth it. He can ask me to go to India and not one person gets saved. It's worth it because he asked me to go. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've got to get back to this central thing of why are we doing what we're doing? Why am I tithing? Because Jesus asked me to. Not because the church budget has to be met. You see, that's so dangerous. Well, they met the budget, so it was worth it. No, no, no. It's worth it because he asked you to. Because you're obeying his word. Then budget met or not budget met is not really the issue. You, you sleep good because, Lord, I've done it for you. Can you keep, so this is not what I planned on saying, but I t I'm telling you, that's the Holy Ghost. That's not what I planned on saying tonight. It is partly, but it's not. It morphed into something totally that I did not expect. Pray for us. That's what I wanted to say, but I went a different direction with the praying for us side of things. But what I didn't plan on saying, but I know the Holy Ghost wants you to hear it tonight is the motives of why you do what you do in church and in your personal Christian walk. Keep the motive pure. You're doing it. You're serving. You're worshiping. You're praying. You're coming to church. I'm preaching. I'm doing it. We're all doing this walk called Christianity for Christ. We're doing it for him. If you keep him focused, if you keep your focus on him, remember our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Keeping our eyes. Remember Romans 12? Keeping our eyes. Hebrews 12, sorry. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. God, look, keep your eyes on him. If you do it for him, everything becomes worth it. Yes. That's right. if, you, if you do it for other reasons, very quickly, things don't become worth it. Oh, yeah. And then you get upset, agitated, and then, you, and then you're non-faithful. Yeah. I think if everybody would adjust their motives, everybody would be more faithful. Yeah. Praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. So I just want you to know, whether you watch, you know, Taylor, it's so dangerous. Because if I do it for the wrong motive, what happens? I start to pressure people. That's true. That's true. If you don't give, the, the budget, the budget is not going to, you see? No, no, you give because Jesus asked you to give. He'll meet the budget. Uh, uh, if you don't watch Daily Connection, you better watch. See, that's wrong. See, if I do it for the wrong motive, I'll pressure people. And Jesus doesn't want me to pressure people. Because if I do it for Jesus, it takes all the pressure off. I don't care whether you watch it or not. I want you to watch it to be blessed, but it don't matter to me if you do or you don't. Because I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for him. He asked me to do it. I'll do it whether nobody watches. Amen. You see, see, it makes life simple. It makes it light. It makes everything light. It, all that pressure is lifted off because we're doing it for him. And so we're not going to pressure other people or come down on other people too hard because we're doing it for him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, I know that you're trying to communicate something to your precious people tonight. Lord, let all of us uh, look at our motives, look at a long look at our hearts about why we do what we do. Not just that we do it, but why we do it. Because we've got to keep pure hearts and pure motives before you so that we have that light and easy flow, not that heavy pressure, that we're doing it for the right reason and we're doing it with joy and peace because it's worth it if we do it for you, Savior. It's not worth it if we do it for other reasons. We do what we do for you, Jesus. And Lord, as I started, even though I ended on a different note, but I started, and, and most of this message tonight, Father, was an, a call and an imploring, a beseeching of the Spirit of God through me to them to pray. Because we are at a very important season of our, of our church's life. We're at a new place, a new place in the Spirit, a new anointing, new vision, clear direction as to where we're supposed to go, how many years it's going to take. Lord, you've, you've laid the whole path out for me. I know exactly there's much more you'll reveal in the future, but I know where we're going. As the visionary of this church, I'm going to cast it when they come back because I know where we're going. And Lord, there's many attacks and obstacles and pressure and demonic assignment to try to hinder, discourage, and abort what I'm trying to 
to do and, and how I'm trying to lead and how they're trying to follow. But Lord, thank you that they pray for me and their prayers will help you communicate things to me, give me revelation, and their prayers will hold back darkness. Lord, they pray for the sheep, the congregation, their brothers and sisters. And Lord, that will cause revelation to come to their brothers and sisters and it will hold back darkness. Lord, let us pray for each other and let them to remember to pray for Pastor Jenny and I and my four sons because in this season of the open door, there are many adversaries, but we will come through to utter and sure victory in Jesus' name. Nothing but victory is my portion. I will accept nothing less than total victory, Father. But their prayers help. So thank you that they, you encourage them to pray more for us in the Spirit and you encourage them to watch their motives. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Bless everyone that watched. Have them have a wonderful sleep tonight and we'll talk to them tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for our glorious daily connection. In Jesus' name, amen.